0: The whole process of building the house was evaluating the past and then looking at the future. And then now in the present, how do we meld those things together? And given the technology that we have, how do we bring these materials and innovate?
1: Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and my guest this week is Amanda Gunawan from WIU studio. Known for her signature Japanese-inspired design ethos, Amanda is dedicated to sustainable development. And in this conversation, we talk about designing minimalist spaces, designing spaces that last, what that means to her, and uh, just keeping sustainability in mind when you design. Amanda doesn't design tiny houses, but I think that there's a lot of crossover and things that can be learned from Just hearing conversations with other designers who incorporate different design aesthetics into the work that they do. I hope you stick around. But first, I want to remind you that my free Tiny House Summit is fast approaching. The Tiny House Summit includes 30 expert sessions. Many of the speakers are past guests on the podcast, some of my favorite past guests. And these are 30-minute lightning-focused sessions to help you plan, build, and live tiny. The whole thing is happening the weekend of November 4th and registration is completely free. The catch is that you need to be registered in order to attend. So make sure to head over to tinyhousesummit.co to register for the free summit. Again, that's tinyhousesummit.co. I can't wait to share the tiny house summit with you. I'll see you in November. All right, I am here with Amanda Gunawan. Amanda is the founding partner of boutique architecture and design firm OWIU Studio. Known for her signature Japanese-inspired design ethos, Amanda is dedicated to sustainable development, which she believes is twofold, preventing construction waste and creating spaces that last. In 2022, Amanda was included in both Architectural Digest's 10 Asian American Creatives to Watch and Design and Architecture Magazine's Architects to Watch respective lists. Amanda is originally from Singapore and obtained her bachelor's degree in architecture from the Southern California Institute of Architecture, receiving the prestigious Merit Thesis Prize. Amanda, welcome to the show.
0: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, you're very welcome. And, and um, as we were talking before we started rolling, um, you know, we'll, we'll put it right out there. You don't design tiny houses and, and, and that's okay because I think that there's a lot of, of crossover and a lot of things that we can be inspired by and learn from in terms of, of the design work that you do.
0: Totally. Totally. Like, um, that's kind of what we believe in with architecture and design as well. Like, I mm. don't think it's that specific, you know, like, Maybe to just start off like people always ask us like, well, what kind of aesthetics do you guys do? Like what Mm -hmm. style do you do? But the Mm -hmm. thing about style is that we're we're not trying to coin ourselves in um, a a type of like aesthetic look like Mm -hmm. we we don't design based off of a physical outcome in mind. Okay. Like we're always we we embody like a philosophy and as long as something is built with that philosophy then to us that's our design and that's how we're going to approach things and that's something that's way more like everlasting, like that's something that we can grow with versus yes. putting yourself in this box and saying this is the kind of style that I want. For us style is always changing. Mm-hmm. like a physical outcome like our projects as you can see they like vary mm-hmm. in terms of aesthetics but at the end of the day we very much embody still thoughtful design and careful craftsmanship which is exactly what we believe in as a firm.
1: Nice so um, can you talk about some of the elements of, of Japanese design that that inspire your work because I think I definitely know that there are, there are Tiny house folks out there who are also really inspired by Japanese design. And I think it would be, it'd be interesting to just teach people about what some of those principles are.
0: Absolutely. So I would say the most pivotal moment for me was somewhat in 20, 2016. It was a trip in 2016 or 2015. Um, I went to Japan for the first time. And actually, it wasn't for the first time. Um, it's funny because before this, before we started recording we had talked about how every travel experience like would it's how much you take away from it right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. traveling is amazing if you are able to like look not just see like if you're in that state then you are able to absorb a lot from it and so I was in that state finally I think Mm -hmm. I was definitely old enough to do that 2015 and I was Probably in my third year of college, architecture school. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to really, like, I had done all of the theory work. Yeah. And so I went to Japan. This was probably like my fifth time, but that was the one trip where the first trip that I was able to really appreciate everything that I was seeing. And so, like, I was just in awe by the way that people operated. Like, I went to all these spaces architectural spaces that I had learned about in textbooks, but Uh it really could not hold a candle to seeing them in physical form because there is only so much that you could read about the theory of these things. But when it comes to careful craftsmanship, right, it's about Mm -hmm. seeing it in person. It's like understanding that the architects did not scrimp on any type of detail. Yeah. It's knowing that like they had the choice to take a shortcut, but they didn't and it was with that amount of respect that i really delved deep into like the philosophy of japanese architecture and just japan mm-hmm. in general like how they operated and so i saw this in not just architecture but in every single thing right in packaging in food and in, in the way that they presented all of their items just in their way of life and so like mm-hmm. just talking to the locals and just reading up on this and like like doing my own research and like I just figured that like people in Japan like they're they're never like when they do something it's always because um it's it's like a duty you know it's like a
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's like when they're designing something they want to design the best thing to the best of their ability versus mm-hmm. try to do it for profits or try to do it mm-hmm. for any other reason except for like the duty as a designer so like It's someone gave me this example of like people in all over the world, like um, when they work at a coffee shop, Mm -hmm. like they want to be manager, they want to be the boss, they want to do their own thing or something. But people in Japan, when they work at a coffee shop, all they care about is to make the best damn cup of coffee. And that's their job. And so, like, I, I really respected that. And I really respected like, like, I guess, the sense of responsibility to the act of doing. Mm -hmm. And with that, like we kind of like we took that philosophy and that's exactly how I wanted to live my life, how I wanted to operate the firm, how I wanted to just operate as a designer. Mm -hmm. And so with that, we came in and we applied that philosophy to everything. And I would say that that is the most quote unquote Japanese thing that we t- took mm-hmm. away from Japan mm-hmm. and brought and made it our own. Of course, there are other things that we're inspired by that's more mm-hmm. aesthetic and more physical that you see like light wood and clean, minimalist like design, mm-hmm. not trying to populate with things that you don't need, um, trying to stick to raw and organic materials. Um, mm-hmm. There is an aspect to Japanese design that is very... Like it's about they really value the negative space. They value emptiness. They see that as like a form of possibilities versus like th- there's no personality.
1: Got it. Yeah, and one kind of I believe it's a Japanese design principle that that the the person who helped me design my tiny home taught me about is it's called wabi sabi, which is kind of like
2: mm-hmm.
1: imperf. It's it's kind of like embracing imperfection or or totally. Perfection through imperfection.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Um, I think it's also very forward thinking. Like people Mm -hmm. think that wabi-sabi, there's like this whole thing of like, is that like an abstract philosophy? But it's not. It's actually very forward thinking. It's future oriented. It's sustainable. Like when you think about the word sustainability, right? Like everyone immediately relates the really tangible things. Like, oh, the solar panels or like ventilation and stuff like that. Yeah but really what is the word sustainable it means to plan for the future that you are basically thinking about the future and so in japanese design like it's about that right it very much is sustainable because they are building for the future and wabi sabi mm-hmm. as well like they are accounting for the imperfections or the growth or the aging process and they're embracing that and taking that into consideration when they are designing like that is actually part of the like the uniqueness of the product like you and i can get the same product and in years to come our products will look completely different because of this aging process and right. when when we choose raw materials when we choose organic materials like we were we're embracing that we love we love yeah. that element we love that aspect to it we're not trying to like perfect things in that sense
1: mhm and And I think that that there is definitely are strong ties to the idea of minimalism, and that's you know people who come to the tiny house movement are they're not always doing it because they want to become minimalists, but it it definitely involves some level of minimalism. Um, how how does that how does minimalism you know factor into your your design work and and some of the kind of ethos of your of your firm?
0: So um, what we believe in is we care about building designs, putting designs out there that are built mm-hmm. to evolve and not just built to last. And again, what that okay. means is that we are basically where we're thinking about the future, right? We want mm-hmm. a space that is, is not narcissistic, where it's kind of like, oh, this is our design and it's going to stand the test of time and it's going to stay that, like this and that's it. Yeah. And so that's not our ethos. Like our ethos is about already planning for the future, leaving things somewhat empty so that somebody can come in like these inhabitants can come in and inject their personalities the way that they like interact Mm -hmm. with this particular space to basically turn it like add new life to it, turn it into a new thing. And then the next person can do the same and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So that's us accounting for growth. And so that's how we view minimalism as well. Like we don't leave things, we don't decorate things. We don't over-decorate, but we also don't decorate to the maximum, right? Like we're leaving like emptiness. We're like we're allowing the space to grow and blossom together with the person who's actually going to use the space.
1: Nice. Can you um I, l- I really like this thread and this this idea? Can you give some like Maybe specific examples of how that has like played out in in some projects that you've worked on?
0: Yes, of course. So we have like a um, like one of our latest projects is this house in Mount Washington, Mm -hmm. and so what happened was that uh, so this was like um, our project, like we developed it from start to finish. Okay, and so. We saw this house and it it was an old house. Like it it was a mid-century modern house, beautiful, but like completely Mm. abandoned, right? Like just not taken care of. And it looks as if like, uh, like when you're in LA in the property market, like you're fighting with developers who are just looking at profits. So they're coming in and they're Mm. already like, they're putting in numbers that, you know, like, okay, they probably want to tear this whole thing down. And For us like we saw so much potential in that we're like we're so tired of people doing it that way we're so tired of people just like not being able to embrace like what would what was happening in the past and what has been done because Mm -hmm. things I mean there are things to be said there are things to like appreciate about these things especially if it's a good mid-century modern design which it was and so Mm -hmm. we fought hard we got the house and then we have our own like in-house construction team. So we started working on that and they already know how we work. Right. And so we kind of call it like the sweet spot between preservation and renovation. And that it, it's like a much more thoughtful process. It's definitely not something that developers love or like want to embrace like the typical developer, because it's not efficient at all. Like it, There's no like it actually like you actually need to be a human being to to like figure out what you want to change, what you don't like. These are decisions that can't be like they're aesthetic decisions like they're not and they're not they're not like um, decisions that you can quantify. Do You know what I mean? Like they're not like, yeah, it's not something you put in a spreadsheet and you're like, oh, economically, this makes more sense, which is Mm -hmm. how developers operate. And so for us it was really coming in with the architect cap, right? We of course we're developing this, but mm-hmm. we could find the middle ground between that. And so that's what we did. Like we come into every single thing and we're like figuring out like how do we preserve this? And some of these things actually like was like like it would it, it's not like a decision that people would make, right? Like mm-hmm. for example, there was this wall this wooden wall, so beautiful, but it was painted on multiple times. But Mm -hmm. we got our construction team to stand everything down and restore it back to its original state, which to us, like, we could have been, like, another developer would have come in, either painted another layer on it or, Mm -hmm. like, just pasted, like, some wood over it. But we didn't want to do that. Like, we wanted to... We're just thinking about the future. Everything's always about the future. Like, if we preserve this now and we we make this more difficult quote unquote more difficult move Mm -hmm. and it was economically it was more expensive and it's like more tedious to do something like that but we chose Mm -hmm. we chose to make decisions like that to like plan for the future right and that that is an example of something that we did but like other things that we did was also to kind of come up with like to preserve, like, to understand that this is a mid-century modern house. So we're not yep. coming in and we're, like, creating, like, some, like, like, ruckus in this house, right? Like, like a ostentatious design by any means. Like, we're actually bringing in elements and qualities from mid-century modern design and trying to find a new mm-hmm. way to innovate and, like, bring these materials that are already outdated to create, like, a new typology in, like, what we did was kitchen counters. And so we kind of used glass blocks, which was some like a material that was uh, prevalent during those times, but then it kind of died down a little bit and people somehow mm-hmm. give it like a bad, bad reputation for like being um, kind of tacky. But we wanted to mm-hmm. find a way because it's it's a beautiful material. Like it's like it's brick. It's basically bricks. The same, it's used in the same way as brick but then um, it's transparent. It allows light in. Well, it's not transparent. It's translucent and it allows light in Mm -hmm. and it has all these like qualities that were still so good about it. And there is a reason why people in the mid-century modern era use that a lot. And so we tried to like figure out a way to basically, okay, how do we, the whole process of building the house was evaluating the past and then Looking at the future, and then now, in the present, how do we meld those things together, and given the technology that we have that those people didn't have in the past, like how do we bring these materials and innovate and that is that is, that in itself is that forward thinking mentality of preparing for the future, preparing for evolution that we like talked about
1: yeah um you mentioned mid century modern and i I, I really like mid century modern myself I'm curious why do you think it's so popular right now? Or maybe it, maybe it's never gone out of style, but it seems like mid-century modern is a very um, sought after aesthetic.
0: Um, I think when things like, there are things in the past that like, if they stand the test of time, there must be like good things about it. Right. Yeah. And again, like with mid-century modern, like it, like it definitely has like it, evolved from one thing and then it became mm-hmm. what it is today and like i think that it's having a moment right now because probably um, like the design like mid century modern design itself is it's it's so good that it has stood the test of time but also like the architects of our time has like like they they've managed to basically evolve that right like they took yeah. mid century modern design and somehow made it cool again
1: yeah. I like that. Um, you've spoken about sustainability a bit. And I know that a lot of, a lot of tiny house enthusiasts and, and people who are wanting to live this lifestyle are also very concerned about the environment. And I'm curious if you have any um, thoughts on materials choices um, when you're designing with sustainability in mind. Um, are there materials that you try not to use? Are there materials that you do try to use? Um, you, can you speak to that? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Ultimately, like we want, like to us, what's sustainable is obviously what um will be built to evolve. Uh-huh. And so, um, with that said, like with just that ethos in mind, like we are always picking materials that we feel like could evolve with the owner. Mm-hmm. And so we don't follow trends. We never, we never advise our clients to be like, oh, this is really trendy. Mm-hmm. Like you should get this. Like it's always Uh really understanding our clients first and foremost. And then from there, it's about like, like we are always suggesting like materials that are organic. So things that like what we talked about, like it has that wabi-sabi element where it's going to age and it's going to age Mm -hmm. nicely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one that I, I think is, is crucial to remember when you're like, building something that you want to live in for a long time that it's nice when you pick materials that when they age, they look nice rather than when they age, they look bad and then need to be replaced.
0: Totally. Totally. And at the same time, it's like, think about it, right? Like what, like, what do you want? Like, what, what do you consider Mm -hmm. sustainable? Like, what do Mm -hmm. you consider something that you would want for the rest of your life? If I was to say, okay, let's say, let's just say in a partner, like, Pick a Mm -hmm. partner that you want for the rest of your life, right? You want somebody who is able to grow with you. Like you don't want someone who's going to stay the same forever. Like that, like that, that's like, like someone that is just like, for example, plastic, like a plastic chair, that's going to stay the same forever. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that either. That's not sustainable. How do you know you're not going to get bored of that? How do you know that like, you know, as like, like you may, I don't know, like being able to pass that down to people. Like, is that possible? Right. Like, or like it's, it's always like, or or like the house that you have, like you are always going to meaning like the environment, right. You are always going to have to shape shift according to that thing that never changes versus something yeah. that grows with you. You guys are able to grow together. And so yeah, like that in itself is sustainable. Like that, that type of ethos is what is sustainable. That's why you mm-hmm. look for materials that have, or furniture pieces that have that quality to them.
1: Got it. Got it. Interesting. Um, when, I think when we had booked the interview, um, I always ask guests, you know, what are one or two questions or topics you'd, you'd like to talk about? And, and one thing that you said is that you'd love to touch on the mental health aspect of being in architecture and design. And, and I want to hear about that. And I also want to hear if, if there's anything that you take into consideration when you design for the mental health of, of the people who will be using and living in, in that building.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that mental health is like a, like a big thing for me. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I, I think everybody has like their, Ultimately, I strongly believe that all disciplines are related, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't think that I could be an architect if all I was doing was just studying buildings, like by theory, Mm -hmm. like I have to Mm -hmm. talk to people. I have to engage. I have to know all the disciplines around me and how the world works in order for me to design for Mm -hmm. the world. And so like, I think my, my like strong thing that drives me is mental health. Like it's like that, like, like basically like i think everything starts from mental like i think that yep. like with me like um when when we went to japan again like in 2016 like on that one trip like i stayed in this place called like a ryokan and it's it's very it's like a thing people in japan they they go there like they travel out of the city and they go into like the countryside and then they stay at this place called a Rio and it's this entire Mm -hmm. hotel hospitality experience where you go Mm -hmm. in and you're escaping the city and you're kind of there. And it's like the whole place is designed where it's like, it makes you feel so calm, so centered and Mm -hmm. the whole experience, like the itinerary, everything is the same. And like, I like really like, I, I don't, understand why that had to be like a vacation like why can't we Mm -hmm. feel like that every single day and there's always this idea that like people put where it's like oh if you're working hard you can't like it's like it it's mutually like exclusive where hard work and like like doing what you love and like like putting putting in the hours is like it somehow can't coexist with like feeling centered, feeling happy Mm -hmm. or like content. And like, so so why is it with spaces? It's the same way where you have to like separate like your workspace from like a space that makes you feel centered and grounded. Like that makes no sense. Moreover, Mm -hmm. your residential space, right? Like why is it that Japanese people have like a house of a certain look and then they go to like the ryokans and it's completely different. Like, Mm -hmm. but okay, like you have to escape in order to relax, but then your own home can't have that kind of aesthetic or that kind of feel. And so, like, I definitely wanted to, like, I wanted to bring that into all of the spaces that we're designing, especially residential spaces, starting with residential spaces, because that's heat, right? Like, why shouldn't you feel like that at home? And so, in our work, like, primarily like biscuit lofts when I was designing that for my own residential space, it's just like, you would not expect it because it's a loft in the middle of like the busy arts district and it's an industrial building. And it sounds so, so like just completely opposite from whatever I just mentioned, right? Like a railcon that Mm -hmm. makes you feel centered. That's like, that makes you feel like you're in a sanctuary. But that in itself, I believe, even increases productivity and Mm -hmm. like it it's like it it, it's like a space that's meditative and like people have this wrong idea about meditation and being in a meditative space where they think that meditation is doing nothing and it means Mm -hmm. you're unproductive and you're just relaxing or you're sleeping whatever but it's not it's actually organizing your thoughts it's giving you that space to kind of like I'll put it this way. Like the analogy that I have is kind of like you're like a ninja, like you're able to. So instead of just aggressively like fighting and not knowing where to throw your punches and stuff, you're able to strategize and see everything in slow motion, kind of like a scene from the main. So you're able to really defend and block and attack as you like it. And so that's why I strongly believe in meditation. And I like, I think being in a meditative state, is the most productive way to work. And so, yeah, so like um, with Biscuit loss, that was what I wanted to achieve. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. bring that whole, like I wanted to put that into my residential space, which actually ended up becoming our office. Ah. Yeah.
1: You Did you know that that was going to happen when you were working on it?
0: No, so I, I didn't know. Like I really wanted that to be, my residential space. I designed it for my residential space. And yeah, so that was like one of the first few projects that we designed and built completely. Uh And so um, it completed like right smack in the middle of COVID. And then I still had my apartment at that time. And it was just so difficult to move during COVID. So I did a try, but I would go over to the new house to kind of like work from there,
2: mm-hmm. and then
0: slowly and slowly, I was just really enjoying working from there. And then I decided to just move the office there.
1: Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, one thing that I that I like to ask my ask my guests in one form or another is, you know, what are two or three books or resources or things that um, that you look to for design inspiration that that you'd like to share with with the listeners of the show.
2: Mm,
0: in an odd way I like reading cookbooks. okay so I'm gonna share like one cookbook that I really like um please it's it's monk it's titled monk um, okay and like it's m-o-n-k by, monk yeah yeah and okay. it's a cookbook and it's by this pizza pizza maker in Kyoto he owns a pizza restaurant okay the book is like absolutely beautiful and I really like all the writing and the way he talks about like why he does what he does and like, it's just very inspiring to me. And okay. yeah, you, you feel inspired when you read that for sure.
2: Nice. Yeah.
0: yeah I also, I also like books and like manifestos by mm-hmm. Louis Kahn. So anything by him is good. I would highly recommend.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And, yeah. and can you say who Louis Kahn is for, for the, for the uninitiated?
0: Yeah, he's an incredible architect. Um, he built like the Salk Institute, mm-hmm. pretty famous one in San Diego. Um, he built a lot of like really great things. He was the architect that famously coined the phrase, um, like he asked the brick, like what it wanted to be. And it said he wanted it to be a brick. So he let it be a brick.
2: Uh-huh.
0: And it's so, it's so philosophical, right? It sounds crazy yeah. and it sounds so simple, but it's also mm-hmm. like, yeah, that sounds about right.
1: <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Amanda Gunawan, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. It was, it was fun to talk.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It Was fun to talk.
1: Thank you so much to Amanda Gunawan for being a guest on the show today. You can head over to thetinyhouse.net slash 235 to see photos of Amanda's design work, a complete transcript of this interview and more. And don't forget to head over to tinyhousesummit.co and register for the 2022 free Tiny House Summit. It's really a wonderful event and I can't wait to share these 30 inspiring, powerful sessions with you. So that website is tinyhousesummit.co, that's tinyhousesummit.co and I will see you in November. That is all for this week. I am your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.